When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is your digesting signing day part two. The book is closed on 2024 and some final gets for the Big Red. We'll highlight some of those fellas and hear from Matt Rule here this first segment. His presser got done about 30 minutes ago or so. Can dial us up and join us today on Hale Varsity at 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Can watch the show, stream it on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. Give that handle a follow at HVarsity Radio. Can find Elijah at Herbal Essence and at Schmidt underscore radio for me. Can also follow us and find us along Facebook and different Twitter outlets and across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. So we'll hear from Mike Babcock, get his take on some of the thoughts and things Rule touched on. In about 15 minutes or so, Connor Clark will join us from Evanston as he is on the call tonight with the student radio station KRNU, the Mighty 90.3, as uh, Connor will be uh, intimidating those around him with his deep and marble red voice. Uh, So Connor will be on site for Nebraska Northwestern Monster game tonight for both those programs, uh, part of the signing class is Camden Cook, of course, son of Baltimore Ravens, punter, and now special teams uh, consultant with the Ravens. It is Super Bowl week, uh, and Sam's got some bling with the Ravens about 10 years ago, an incredible uh, 16-plus year career with the Ravens. So we'll spend time with Sam Cook in Hour 2. Evan Bland checks in with us at 525, his take on signing day. So plenty of football, plenty of hoops. And we'll uh, tackle it all. Let's get the shout-outs going as we do our starting five, our first five in the stream. You want to hear your name or be a part of it, jump on, subscribe to Hale Varsity YouTube, and uh, be a part of our show each and every day that way. Also with the weekend edition that tends to fluctuate, but we try to be up and rolling at 745 uh, every Saturday morning for you. So Anonymous checks in first. I should actually sign in once, so being first would mean something. Appreciate you, Anonymous. Brandon in its second. The artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life uh, checks in third. Matthew in at four. Jeff, tip your cap, you're five. Andrew uh, in at six. Patrick, seven. 
and Eric in at eight. We'll just round out our, our, our first and second team. Not that I'm uh, placing any of you, but you have it too deep is what I'm getting at for 10, uh, starting five. Brennan from Black Hills is in along with Eric and Tuck. Roger just misses, but Roger, thank you. Dion checks in as well. So that's kind of a, a, a Micro Machines opening segment. Forgive my speed, but time is of the eff- essence, Elijah, because you've got – some guys to highlight, man. A big time finish for Nebraska on this cycle, uh, where you have uh, Keona White that made his announcement at two thirty. Uh, because of that timeline, the presser got moved from eleven to three o'clock today, but which uh, Keona, made things fun for us over the past hour. Which so. is fine, dude. We we just got got busy with the old edit machine. Uh, Keona's in. That is nice. Amari Saunders is is uh, pretty big time as well. Former Wisconsin kid. Uh, right, and, and and that is good for Nebraska. And, you know, another name to look at here for the Big Red um, is somebody that, that they've touched on, and there's so much to go through here. Um, I, I look at Nebraska, and they really do a good job homework-wise of, of fit, right? They go in, they look at, at the kid's competitive nature that's super important but they go and, and kind of circle and, and and target needs which is absolutely important here we'll get and, to some comments here on on glenn thomas some clarification here on sat and his role really it's it's the same as it's always been but but rule touches on a lot of things and one quick note correction on myself Said Amari Sanders from Wisconsin kid. Incorrect. I had that wrong. It's Camir, uh, Camir, excuse me, Camir Prescott. Prescott. Formerly committed to Wisconsin. Right. He's a safety. Uh, that's a kid I really like. Uh, a big pickup on uh, for Nebraska on National Signing Day. It's, it's his name along with Will Height that are the two that really stand out to me as being potential impact guys. No, Prescott's a dude they really, really liked. And uh, without further ado, let's hear from Matt Rule. He was asked about uh, Keona Will Height out of the gate. And uh, here's his take on, on Will Height and, and why you, you make room for a guy like Will Height. You know, he's a unique situation in that he was going to Washington. You know, obviously college football's been turned on its head um, since uh, Coach Saban left and all the after effects. And so um, it was back on the market. Great job by Terrence Knighton. Great job by Tony White. They had a, you know, Terrence had a relationship with Keona and his family. Um, they were interested. They came to visit. Had a great visit. Um, even Thursday night, I thought he wasn't coming. You know, I thought he was going to go somewhere else. But Tony and uh, Terrence uh, really did a great job down the stretch. And he's exactly the type of person we're looking for. You know, on the football field, he's big, strong, athletic, physical. He's going to be a huge man with great athleticism. Uh, off the field, great family, great character. Um, he's going to be a great fit for our guys. So. It was uh, great to get him today. That's why we moved the press conference till to now because he was going to announce at two thirty. So I hate messing with your guys' schedules, but that's why. So it's all about us, Coach. <laughs> you move that thing to Sunday at noon if you want. If you're getting a a six five dude off the edge, so uh, the guy we also circled here, uh, Camille Prescott. Uh, Rule asked about Prescott and his addition. Give me two seconds. Okay. Come here, someone we targeted early. You know, we visited him, you know, early on. Uh, tremendous uh, person, first of all. Loves the game. Tough, physical, can run. We think he'll be a ball hawk. Um, you know, was headed to another school. 
And um, for one reason or another, you know, that, that didn't work out. And he was on the market. Uh, Coop stayed in touch with him. And um, you know, I think he has a lot of confidence and trust in us as people that we're going to do what we say we're going to do. And uh, I think we had a really good player in that one. And more from Rule here on, on – and listen, as a Nebraska fan, depending on your age, what do you know about the black shirts? What do you know about Nebraska football? From the time I kind of grew up watching this team, it was it was the Sandman. It was Broderick Thomas. It was Mike Kroll. It was Neil Smith. It was Danny Noonan. It was Wistrom, who we were just lucky enough to talk with yesterday. It was Steve Warren. It was Bad Mother Rucker. It was the Peter Boys. It was somebody getting their head crushed on third down and eight with four men or maybe a zone blitz. They were dead. If you were a quarterback and it was third and eight, you were a dead man because Nebraska could get after the quarterback coupled with really good man coverage, the Tyrone Williams and Baron Miles of the world. Uh, You fast forward to the Jay Moore era, Moore and Carriker off the edge, killing people. They led the nation in sacks. That's what Nebraska's got to get back to. And they had some really nice young infusion of guys getting after the quarterback. You saw some pop plays. And they have a collection of guys – there are problems. And you have to go back to Kaz's defensive line in 2013 and 2014 to the last time you had dudes like Vincent um, and, and uh, Randy Gregory, of course, and Malik. Mm. I mean, those dudes not only stopped the run, but they, they were great. They were, they were third down assassins. And I love Nebraska's attitude about not just kind of standing pat with the pass rushers they've got. They're going to keep getting the guys that came in and kind of wowed as freshmen to get them to a different level as uh, sophomores. But uh, Rule talks about here, cut three, they're not going to say no to pass rushers. The, the whole premise of competition is key. You keep adding talent, but more pass rushers, the better. And, and, and fresh pass rushers is a real big thing. I think that we're always, I don't pay a lot of attention to, a lot of coaches look at like, hey, we need four of these, we need three of these. I don't, I've never thought that way. I always look for people I think can make a difference, and I always look for big people. You know, I'm always looking for uh, O-linemen and D-linemen, and I don't care how many we have. If we have too many, then it'll, it'll, it'll sort itself out. So, um, Kiona, uh, I just think, you know, when you're that big and that athletic, it's, you know, it's a no-brainer. Jordan, you know, Marcus and Keith Williams. Keith has, uh, you know, done a great job for us in personnel. They had been talking with Jordan. I went out recruiting with uh, Sat. You know, he had me up at 5 o'clock, going out to see a workout. I had a chance to meet Jordan, talk to him. And this is a guy that had, a, you know, Pac-12 offers. He had Mountain West offers. He has a love for Nebraska and uh, wants to come here and, and play at this level. And so, I, you know, unbelievable opportunity. But... To your point, I think we have a lot of great pass rushers coming back. Um, but we're always if, – if, if you can rush the passer or you can take the ball away, we're always going to take a shot on you. So I'm always looking for guys in those positions. Amen. And you know what? Nebraska is trying to be uh, a, a upper echelon, get after the quarterback. Michigan was fabulous. Ohio State has put a lot of guys into the league. Uh, and you look at the San Francisco 49ers. And the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs, but I was going with the, the depth that San Francisco has, the collection of all-stars off the edge 
that they uh, they are going to try and, but, and be problems with on Sunday. I think it's a great example just to look at the Super Bowl and see both of these teams have pass rushes. Look at Chris <laughs> Jones, what he's done for the he's Chiefs awesome. this year. Interior Carl Loftus has been mm-hmm. pretty good for the Chiefs this year as well. The 49ers, they use their pass rush to help them get to the Super Bowl. It's one of those things that you just have to have in football with the, the direction football's moving. Everyone wanting to, to, to throw the ball around, air it out. I know it's a little less so in the Big Ten, but it's still there. The, the great trump card that you have, as we kind of talked about with, with Grant Wistrom yesterday, is getting after the quarterback and making him uncomfortable. If you leave your cornerbacks on islands all game long, eventually uh, a team with a, a, a heartbeat of a passing attack is going to beat you. They're going to beat you deep. That is, unless you can get after their quarterback, make him uncomfortable, and instead of his first place, his eyes go as being downfield, reading the defense and understanding where he's going to go with the ball. It's looking at that front four, front five, front six, the guys coming after him. That's the the great equalizer on, on defense in order to slow down passing attacks because whenever you have these high-flying passing attacks, eventually they're going to get theirs. You saw it with Maryland uh, in that game last year with Talia at the, the last drive, finally getting his, finally getting some space, being able to air it out downfield and what does Maryland do? They go kick a game-winning field goal? Well, Nebraska's great trump card, the equalizer to that, would be getting after the passer, getting him to the ground, and not giving him time back there to go pick apart your defense. Big time. First and foremost, stop the run. Uh, let's talk Glenn Thomas. Here's Coach Rule on the Glenn Thomas edition. Well, you know, I worked with Glenn. You know, Glenn was a difference maker for me at Temple. You know, Sat, at, at, you know, Sat was the O.C., um, really, wanted to, really wanted to get away from Sat coaching the quarterbacks and being the O.C., and, you know, because we're – we're not an air raid offense, right? So intimate knowledge and experience in the run game and the play action game is really important for us. And so we hired Glenn there. And P.J. Walker took off under his tutelage. And then he called it for me the last year. And then we went to Baylor and, and did a great job with the freshman and Charlie Brewer and then had a chance to go call him himself. And he did that. I just trust him. You know what I mean? I know that the quarterback's going to be well coached. I know I don't have to spend a lot of time worrying about those things. His assessment so far, you know, we'll start the cut-up process and all of that thus far, you know, um, this was in the works for many weeks before it happened. I just was obviously going to be respectful of the Steelers and Coach Tomlin, who I look up to. So we were, you know, I had talked to him and he had watched us and I asked him for some of his opinions on, you know, some of our guys, some of the portal guys, you know, hey, what do you think of this guy, what are the high school players? So in terms of a global, you know, deal, I think we all know we have to play better in a lot of areas on offense. Uh, the, the specific reasons for why, probably over the next couple of weeks as we get into it and we really sit down and watch it as a, a staff, uh, we'll have much better answers in terms of, hey, what can we do better here? What can we do better there? As of right now, it's been all kind of anecdotal. You know, hey, I see you guys change the split on this. Hey, why are we doing this now? So, um, but he's an excellent coach. Great family. His two sons are excellent, excellent golfers. They're going to bring a lot to the, uh, <laughs> the country club circuit here in Nebraska, so watch out. And, um, but most importantly, I, I know this, the quarterback's going to be really well coached. I need a dedicated guy to that spot. Do we have time for, for Sat, the, the, the declaration of him as play caller? Absolutely, we don't. How about scholarship quarterbacks? Do we, okay, we'll squeeze that in. Do you have enough scholarship quarterbacks? On the roster. I've always had three. I've never really had four very many times. I'd love to have four. Let me just start there. But I also understand this. If, you know, last spring we had six and we had four, four healthy. It's really hard to get the guys the reps that they need. So here's what I know. Heinrich needs reps to be the starting quarterback and win for us. Uh, Danny Kalen needs reps to be the starting quarterback and win for us. Dylan needs reps to be the starting quarterback and win for us. And they all deserve the right to go through that process. So this spring, I think having two, having three scholarship quarterbacks, is ideal in that those guys can get a ton of reps, right? They're not sharing. They're not getting three reps in a rack and giving it to somebody else. They need reps and they need to practice. Going into the season, I would have, I would love to have a fourth person. Um, 
but that's kind of the state of college football now, right? Um, full disclosure, you know, um, we understand that if, we, if someone gets hurt or something happens, I'm sure there'll be guys in the portal in May. If we have a scholarship spot, we can always do that. But we're kind of, you know, we're kind of going all in um, on these guys. And along the way, a lot of people ask me, why didn't you get a one-year player? Like, I just – and maybe it'll happen for somebody else. I just don't know how we can win a championship starting a one-year player every year. So if it's Heinrich, then great. He's got a couple years left. If it's one of these young guys, you know, I'd rather them go out there. <clears throat> if they're ready to play, play. And as a team matures, they mature. And eventually we have a championship caliber team. But bringing a guy in for one year for me is not ideal. We'll do it when we have to do it. But it's just not ideal. So we have two young players. We have another guy that's in Heinrich that's one at a high level. I'm anxious to watch them battle it out in the spring. Good stuff. That is sound logic. We'll get Mike Babcock's take here in a little bit. And I love what he said going for a national championship yeah championships aren't going to be the the uh the one and done type uh, type approach at quarterback let's develop let's get better babbers uh on the way with some more football and now and now back to hail varsity radio Thanks for hanging. It's uh, signing day Wednesday 2.0 for 2024. And we welcome in Mr. Husker football, Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity and Herdad Sports. And get your uh, emails to Babbers. Get signed up for his biweekly newsletter. It's Mike B at HerdadSports.com is where you can send that email to. And Babbers, it, you know what? We were doing this a long time. And uh, it used to be rain or snow. It was this uh, first Wednesday in February for signing day. And uh, from the uh, the Max Preps era to the Blue Chip Report to the Tommy Frazier camera crew uh, incident. <laughs> what I mean incident, it's Bill Dolman walking with a camera that may or may not have had a VHS in it. Uh, and, uh, you know, being there for it, it's Barry Switzer. Uh, having a player stay in a roadside motel that was blocked off the entrance by two big old Cadillacs, uh, Switzer once told me. We fast forward to now with Portal, with early signing day, and, and now we, we have, uh, oh yeah, let's go get uh, a guy named Kyoto Wilhite to, to round out a class. Yeah, it's so... Uh... It's so clear cut these days. I mean, you just you know what's going to happen, and um, you know it, it, he was important enough that they moved the uh, news conference from 11 a.m. to to uh, 3 p.m. There's a lot uh, that's happened in this world of recruiting. That that may be a first where you move a presser. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, that says a little bit about. Uh, uh, how, how good it was to get the get the commitment from him, and uh, you know one of the things. Um, so you have the early signing period, and a significant percentage of those guys, well, a meaningful percentage of those guys are already on campus, right? We'll be able to go through spring practice. I think that's a that's another positive uh, through this whole recruiting thing. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, there, there are a lot of things to balance here. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, Coach Rule and his staff have done a pretty good job of uh, balancing those things because you see recruiting classes rated and Nebraska seems to be consistently, in the, at least in the top 25. And uh, that's a good place to start. But as I always say, 
Um, let's wait till they get on the field and let's see what happens then. Um, this is a great time to be optimistic about things, but let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, and to your point, Mike, about waiting, seeing what these guys are on the field, do you get the feel? Because I, I don't, that Matt Rule gives a damn about recruiting rankings. <laughs> <laughs> I would doubt that he does. He yeah. said as much, no. <laughs> Teammates don't care either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that uh, I don't think that's important, but I think from a from a fan standpoint, just the energy and again it's 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 like a, a season unto itself. You know, it was the old Texas S idea. I've probably mentioned this before, but he always used to say there's two seasons football and spring football. Now there's three seasons, football, spring football, and recruiting. And, and if, you can, if you can be successful from a perception standpoint in recruiting, then that has a reason for optimism going into the spring. After the spring, you have optimism going into the fall. And then when you get to the fall, that's when we find out how uh, the, the recruiting and the spring uh, fit into this picture. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity and Heard at Sports at MD Babs on Twitter, recap and rule and uh, his time with the media today and Nebraska rounding out their 2024 class. A lot of interesting things. Nebraska, a great kind of jump start for 2025 as they were on the road in January. The uh, Coach Ed Foley motivational speaker tour. Uh, which was nice for Nebraska around the state of Nebraska. Rule loved his walk-ons that he got from this class, says three or four guys could be starters. They're not ruling out if things don't shake out how they like at quarterback. Looking in May uh, for that answer at quarterback. But I want to get your take here, Babbers, on just overall the the urgency. I think we all kind of heard from rule and and he was matter of fact about five and seven not good enough yet still talking about that goal for a championship well you know because of the stretch here that nebraska's gone through um lack of of success uh lack of uh getting to a bowl game um i think the fans feel a sense of urgency and it carries over to the coach obviously he was brought in with that with that in mind, you know, hey, let's get something done here. And, and you know, people thought, well, the first year they're at least going to be a bowl eligible. And they certainly had an opportunity to be a bowl eligible if things would go right in those uh, what four uh, one-score games and an overtime game, uh, that w- which you mentioned today. But, I, you know, I think that there's – I think you have to – you have to have some patience – if you've got young guy, you have young guys at quarterback, right? And that's where it's going to start. Harburg has some experience, but uh, Kalen and Riola are incoming freshmen. You ha- and, that, and that's where it starts, I think, if you're going to get this running game that he talked about, how important that running game was. was. If you're going get, to get that going, I think it has to still start with the quarterback and what that quarterback is able to do. And uh, so I think you have to have patience, but it's easy for me to say that it's not so easy for fans to have that kind of patience when the perception is based on another time and place, you know, uh, three national championships in his final four years for Tom Osborne. 
Um, that's a long time ago now, mm. um, but but yet we're looking at things through that glass, I think. Mike, as we talk about the quarterbacks here, did Matt Rule's comments on only having three scholarship quarterbacks alleviate your concerns with that position about how he felt it was necessary to go all in on those three in order to, to build championship-type teams down the road? I, I think it's good that, that they have only three quarterbacks because of the inexperience with those three quarterbacks and your opportunity, as he said, to give them time in the spring, equal time in the spring to, to develop. Um, I, I think that's important. Um, and, and then he said, you know, going into the fall, you'd like to have a fourth one maybe. But uh, it's so difficult now, I think, to maintain quarterbacks because of the transfer portal. So if you've got three that you feel good about, at least going into the spring competing, um, I think that's a positive because, again, transfer portal, what happens in the spring? What if they all really do well? And it's, a, it, it's still a competition. You look at it and say, well, we still have to compete in the fall because we really haven't gotten a clear-cut guy. Uh, during the spring, then do you lose one or one of those uh, other three um, rather than get that fourth one in there? That, uh, but I also like what he said about uh, bringing in every year a one-year transfer uh, portal guy to play quarterback. I don't think that's going to work if you want to have consistent success in your program. He he is good at, at laying out the fact that there's just always going to be constant competition, first and foremost. Don't take it personally. Uh, the, the job is to go get great players. The job is for that that environment to make you be your best, first and foremost. And, you know, the, the payoff is what he talked about, too. You put all this work in, three years of toil, and, you know, it's year four for you. And he's also cognizant about, mm-hmm. I don't want to ace you out of something you've you've worked towards but it's it's not charity either you got to go win a job and, and handle your business to to be on the field so he covers all his bases and it sounds like he's he's laid it all out there and the topic of conversation being competition is is going to be key and that's what has driven nebraska's best teams let's go to basketball babbers got about three minutes here or so a they just monster game i don't know how else to describe it tonight you have two teams that can fluctuate between a nine and 11 seed right now as we make the the corner turn to mid-february with northwestern they're on a skid nebraska's trying to eke out a two and two stretch in these this meat of the schedule four game run and there's also some buzz maybe a, a lineup change uh, for Nebraska here, we'll see what uh, what old Muleheisen has to say in the pregame. But your thoughts on Nebraska Northwestern tonight? Yes, it's it's giant, but do you feel okay about Nebraska coming off of what we saw the other night? Um, yeah, uh, it is a significant game. Obviously, on the road, uh, Northwestern has played well at home on the road, uh, and you know that's your road test, I think, is going to be magnified by that. Um, I, I, the bigger concern for me is to get that thorn of of uh, Rutgers out of your foot. Um, and uh, and I think they have an opportunity to do that because then you've got, what, two games at home. Uh, if, so if you can get some momentum here um, and you go into two games at home, 
against teams that have not exactly excelled, I think, um, <laughs> you you can uh, be in a, in a little bit better position. But, you know, I, I feel good about uh, coming off the Rutgers loss. I feel good about how they played against Illinois. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And whenever you, you, you look at that, that Illinois game, Mike, do you worry about that giving this team false hope on the road, if you will, with all the struggles that they've undergone, that they kind of think, you know what, if it wasn't for the refs, we would have had them. We, we figured something out on the road. Is that a concern to you or, or not? No, uh, not really, because I think that, you know, just playing well enough on the road to have won and to be able to say that, you know, if we would have gotten one of these calls, we could have won that game. I think that we weren't there on the road earlier in this season. I think now they are, and I think that that was a positive. It was only a positive. There's no negative, I think, except for the fact that, hey, if we got a call that we should have gotten, we could have won that game. That, that's the one negative there. It, it was, uh, yeah, we, we, we have exhausted ourselves on the Zebras. Uh, maybe Jawan's back in the starting lineup tonight. That could be big for the Big Red. I don't know if you look at Jamarcus Lawrence. If he is somebody that you're not finishing the game with, do you go somewhere else from a starting standpoint? Does Boo Bowie get his revenge and go off after a brutal night at PBA? And can Kisei uh, bring back that, uh, that Land of Lincoln magic? with uh, how well he played. Babbers, this was fun to chat. Thanks for squeezing us in and making time. It's been busy and always appreciate your insight. Good, sir. Thanks, guys. It's always tough following Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Yeah, we shouldn't probably be playing Purple Haze. (laughs) Nebraska Northwestern. Connor Clark from Wildcat Country next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. More thoughts on signing day. More from Matt Rule coming up. We'll hear from Sam Cook. Uh, it's pride of York, Nebraska. Longtime uh, Baltimore Ravens punter. Part of their coaching staff. His son Camden. Uh, part of this signing class for Nebraska 2024. So we'll talk Super Bowl with Sam Cook here in 15, in, yeah, 15 minutes or so. 15-20 minutes. It's Connor Clark uh, live from... Well, do we say Evanston, or are you en route to Evanston, Connor? Currently on the way there, uh, still in Lake Forest, but on Route 41. So we're about 20 or so minutes away. So that is code for I am not jacking with awful, brutal, interstate Chicago traffic to and from the city. Not quite, but I'm, I'm worried I'm going to run into some, so that's why I'm leaving now to get ahead of the eight ball, but uh, we'll see. All I know is... Uh, last Tip-off's time... in like three and a half hours. This man's committed. Yeah, last time I went to Chicago, oh, yeah. it was the the South Skyway that's been like under construction apparently. Use that thing. Avoid that, Connor. You'd know better than I being from there, but they scammed me. It was like a 15-minute drive, and it cost me like 20 bucks. <laughs> it was an unreal toll. They had like four toll booths within two miles. It was just a, a complete joke, so avoid that. Stay downtown and walk. <laughs> <Or Uber. laughs> Well, good news, I'm not going to Indiana. That would be the only time I'd have to use that. So we're going to avoid the tolls as much as possible. I still have a toll sitting on my uh, my kitchen table at home that I have yet to pay. <laughs> so to review, Connor's been to the pier. He's been to Nike Town. He's hooked up with Jordan and Oprah. And now he's off to call the Nebraska 
and Northwestern game. Uh, if you see Elaine from Seinfeld, we do need a one-on-one from you and her uh, at halftime in the name of Hale Varsity Radio. You're calling the game for KRNU. Without further ado, get into it. Uh, both teams are mirror images. Both teams are trying to turn the corner in February. What's the difference tonight? You know, this is a huge game for both of these teams. Both teams coming into this game with back-to-back overtime games. Nebraska's won one of them. Northwestern has not. Uh, so that's a really interesting note coming into tonight. Obviously, Nebraska got the best of Northwestern uh, almost, a, well, I guess a couple of weeks ago at this point uh, at PBA. But this is a team in Northwestern that, you know, almost beat Purdue on the road. They struggled at Minnesota. Maybe a little bit of a hangover from that tough loss at Purdue. I don't know. But this is a team that's hungry, and, and they know that they need to get a win, especially at Welsh Ryan. They have not lost in league play at Welsh Ryan Arena, just like Nebraska hasn't lost at the vault this year in Big Ten play. As for Nebraska, another big game. You didn't have Jawad Gary the first time around against the Cats. You do now. How will that affect the rebounding margin? Northwestern isn't a very good rebounding team. So adding Jawan Gary to the lineup here tonight is going to make a big difference, I think, for this Nebraska team. You pair that with the way Rink Mass has been shooting the basketball. He's shooting 48% from three in his last four games. He's been outstanding from out there. And then obviously the heater that Tomonaga went on at Illinois. If he could continue that, Nebraska has a good chance of winning this game. I think it's going to go back and forth all night, guys. And again, just a massive game for both of these teams who are currently in the field of 68. Connor, with, uh, with Northwestern, you look at their offense, and, and Boo Boo, he's been fantastic this year. Nebraska did a good job shutting him down at PBA, or at least slowing him down. What's your take tonight? Do you think Nebraska has a game plan that's replicable, or do you think that, that Husker fans should expect a return to normalcy from Boo Booey and his greatness? Yeah, I think Boo Booey will get back to what he normally does, especially at home. Nebraska did a really good job on him on the defensive end at PBA. He did still have seven assists. But that's just kind of what he does. He only had nine points. Brooke, Barnes, Brooke Barnheiser kind of stole the show uh, that first time around. But I think Boo will get his, and you're just going to have to live with it. Fred Hoiberg said something similar in his, in his press conference a couple of days ago about Northwestern. And you can't let his tough shot-making ability, which he's really good at in the lane especially, deflate you. Um, and he's going to get his, so be it. you got to win in other areas. Maybe try and shut Brooks Barnheiser down this time around. You can't let Ty Berry get hot. He's one of the better three-point shooters in the league. But I expect Boo Booey to be Boo Booey, that first-team All-Big Ten guard and arguably an All-American. Connor Clark with us as he is en route to call the game tonight, Nebraska at Northwestern. Connor, where can folks stream you or hear you? What's the website of the app? Yeah, it'll be on the Nebraska News Service app. Just search uh, 90.3 KRNU, and it will be on KRNU 2. If you go to the regular one, you're just going to hear music. So KRNU 2 is where you can find us tonight. So either way, I can I can put in a request for... Oh, uh, uh, what's one of the bands? Japan Cakes, circa 2001. I, I, is there still CDs or no? In the KRNU studio. At KRNU? Yeah. I don't believe so. No. no. <laughs> yes, I, say, but I was the there five years ago. right now is Schmidt is old. Uh, Connor and Elijah both going, CDs? What are you talking about? Uh, no. But uh, long and short, uh, it's, it's awesome. We're all proud uh, 
broadcasting majors slash graduates, and it's cool you're on the road for this. Minus six and a half. Let's go to the gambling side of things. <laughs> you uh, may yeah, or may you not. Are stopping at Wrigley first? <laughs> <laughs> you, you may or may not. Uh, yeah, you may or may not want to jump in on this because typically guys doing the game, i.e., Herb Street, don't don't predict. But just let's just substitute Nebraska Northwestern six and a half on the road in the Big Ten. Do you do you run with that <laughs> or not uh, for a winless team on the road? <laughs> you know, it's tough to say because Nebraska was. Uh, and a half point underdog at Illinois, and you saw what happened there. So I say Nebraska covers that spread. I'm not going to go ahead and say they outright win the game because I think it's just too hard to tell right now. I, I really think this is going to be a phenomenal game, but I would say Nebraska covers that six and a half point spread. I think I'm going to hold my bets until I know who's officiating this game. I've been trying to figure yeah, out who, who the officials who are going to be, and I don't know. So, Connor, if you have any insight there, let be, us know. Just, it just, it's just I don't know yet, bad. but I can text you. Yes, text <laughs> us as Elijah will start his car at, at 5.57, and we will speed to the book since it's a road game. Connor, uh, Montana Husker fan checks in on the stream and, and wants to see if Tominaga and Wiltshire – can get going together for once. And, uh, you know, th- there's been instances where they both, and I go back to Purdue, I think they both had decent games against Purdue. But as far as the, the, the Batman and Robin thing, you've not really seen that. It's been one's been off or or not as prolific, and the other's been on. And in Wilcher's case, he was Superman uh, against Wisconsin. Yeah, it's tough for both of those guys to get going at the same time because they play a very similar game. They're, they're both shooters. They both like to run on the outside. Casey's a little bit more mobile than CJ is. Terrence Shannon Jr. even said it after the Illinois game. The kid never stops moving. That's why he's so hard to guard. But they both play very similar games, and I think that's why. But if both of them have the hot hand, it really doesn't matter who you give it to at the end of the day. I think what matters is if one of those two is going – you either need Bryce Williams to have a good night or you need Rick Mass to have a good night. We saw that against Wisconsin. Three of them had a really good time, and C.J. Wilcher, Bryce Williams, and Rick Mass. And then at Illinois, it was the Rick Mass and K.C. Tomanaga show. So if you can get one of those two and either pair Williams or Mass with them, I think that works out pretty well. It's just tough to tell because both of them play such a similar game. Connor, have a great call. We'll check in with you. Uh, when you get back, be safe and enjoy uh, the experience tonight. Should be pretty awesome. Well, do guys. Thanks for having me. There he is, Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. He'll have it for the college radio station uh, KRNU tonight. We'll wind down hour one. It's Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten-minute warning, Sam Cook with us here on Hale Varsity. Uh, Ravens Super Bowl champ, Nebraska standout. His son, part of 2024's class. Reminder to buckle up, use your seatbelt. It saves lives, it prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Husker Super Bowl week rolls forward today, tomorrow, and into Friday. Let's hear from Matt Rule. What does he need to see from the quarterbacks and the young pups during winter conditioning drills? 100%. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, none of those guys in the locker room care about how highly ranked you were in recruiting. And they certainly don't care about how many touchdowns you threw in high school. They care. They don't, they don't care about how well you played last year. They care about what you're doing right now. 
You know, they're very much in the moment. You know, Jamal Banks got here from Wake Forest. You know, he's transfer and uh, he's down. We do our competitions. He's by far and away dominating our team in terms of uh, his commitment to, you know, winning points and dominant winning his team. I, I can assure you, no one cares whether he played here last year or not. They know he produces. And so and we're trying to produce a competitive environment. So every offseason drill, everything is competitive. Um, and so I, I know that the guys are always watching the quarterbacks like who is going to, you know, we lost we lost uh, five games by three points or overtime. So we're fighting for every single point. You know, we're three points away from being a good team in, in our brains. So am, am I going to follow a quarterback that, that doesn't win all the drills? That's not out there throwing at 6 a.m. That's not there on the weekends. I'm not I'm not following that guy. So I think everyone's watching everything right now. And those those players, you do the offseason so that you can get in better shape. But I, I want to see who's competitive and who shies away from the competition and who attacks it. And when things get really hard and the mat drills are, you know, kicking your butt or spring ball is hard, that's when I want to find out who's who's uh, who's uh, the problem. Because, you know, last year we, we lost, you know, we lost, we lose games and the coaches would get up here like, you know, we'd run double under with a corner against Maryland and it's a pick. And we say, hey, maybe we should have called a better call like those days are going to be over. Like every team in the country throws <laughs> touchdowns on those plays. And our team, we need guys to go get the ball. We need guys to throw the ball. And if you want to see what that looks like, go watch Patrick Mahomes and how many plays are on script for him. He's out there playing ball. And so the off seasons where you, you in college, it's where you show your teammates, hey, I'm a playmaker. I'm, I'm, someone to, I'm someone to be watched. I'm going to compete at everything, and I'm tough. Then you get to spring ball and you start another phase. So I think I think the winner is unbelievably important. And I can tell from the the demeanor of those three guys, based upon I haven't been there to watch, but based upon like as I watch the points and I watch the way they're competing, they, they, they all know that. I love that. That was so good. I mean, th- you think about it, it's like... When it's tr- going crappy, who's still a stand-up guy? Well, he's trying to... It's like he's saying, I'm trying to establish a culture and trying to find guys that even if the defense knows what we're running, they're going to go out and execute. That's what he's saying with everyone in the country runs those. And that's like, if you read in between the lines, he's saying, yeah, the defense probably knows there could be a play like that coming. It shouldn't matter. You right. think, think back to make Nebraska the throw, in the 90s. We'll make the catch. I mean, the offensive line walking to the line of scrimmage and telling the defensive line, the ball's coming here, try and stop it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the exact same energy that Matt Rule's saying right there. Hey, everyone in the country runs this. I don't care if the defense has the perfect play called up for it. Go out and execute. We'll uh, we'll have Rule's comment on, on Mazuka next hour. We'll sneak that in. There's a lot of questions and comments regarding uh, Mazuka in the portal uh, in our, our the portal get for Nebraska, but the, in our in our stream. And as always, subscribe to Hale Varsity's YouTube channel. Uh, tell a buddy uh, about that. Uh, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. Subscribe there. You can find the show Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. The segments you want or the entire thing for you. Uh, Nick Saban news next hour. We'll dive in with Evan Bland on signing day 2.0 for 2024. Sam Cook kicks us off hour two next on Hale Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. It is Husker Super Bowl week, and we welcome in 
Hall of Famer uh, with Nebraska football and uh, Super Bowl champ with the Baltimore Ravens, part of their staff as special teams consultant, Sam Cook back with us and Sam this time of year we're, we're winding down football season and you know uh, spring's just around the corner we love talking some ball with you how are you doing how's uh, everyone out there in Baltimore you know we're doing well we're uh you know it was a rough end of the season but you know there's nothing we can do now other than move on and, and look forward to the uh, next season so we're trying to get everything switched from last season to this season now and trying to look ahead and see what we can do but family's doing good and uh, can't complain so everything's really good chris well that is awesome sam cook with us at hail varsity talking super bowl sam you guys in baltimore saw both of these teams let's talk super bowl first on sunday you went out had probably the most impressive win of the nfl season against San Francisco. Uh, you, you saw KC and were right there uh, to, the, to the bitter end against the Chiefs at home in the AFC Championship. So what sticks out about both of these teams? I mean, they're both really good teams. You know, the, the 49ers have done well all season. You know, we had their number when we played them during, the, during that week. And, you know, it just didn't work out the same for the Chiefs. But uh, both great teams. It's going to be a fun game to watch. It's, you know, I wish we were there. Wish we were just getting there today, but wasn't in the cards this year. So it'll be a great game to watch for sure. Who do you, who do you like in this game? I mean, I know you have a firsthand uh, experience playing against the Chiefs. The 49ers have been the, uh, the juggernaut all season long. And I'm not, I guess, asking you to make a prediction here, but whenever you, you look at it on paper, you've seen a lot of football. What matchups are there to watch, and who do you kind of like because of that? Sorry about that. There, you know, the matchup, there's a lot of great matchups. I mean, you're going, you know, you got Brock Purdy with Mahomes, and it's going to be great to see how that all unfolds, especially with Purdy being young. Um, but the defenses, you know, you got, you got great guys on both sides of the ball there. And... You know, we pay attention a lot with the special teams to seeing Tommy Townsend and Wisnowski and and the kickers and how their special teams operate. They both got a great special teams unit. We played them both and thought we did really well against both of those teams. So it'll be exciting to see how they they play in the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs has a lot of experience being in there. So and with 49ers not not in there as much, but they've been going to the championships the last couple years. It's going to be a fun game to watch, and you know you get to watch you know all sides of the the game because I think it's going to be a very explosive game. Sam Cook is with us uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, Hail Varsity Radio. Sam, I, I got to ask, fire or police? And you're not speeding, are you? We heard some sirens. Yeah, sorry about now. There was there must have been a rescue call up the road, so. We were just, and I don't know, it must have been pretty bad because they're everywhere, so we're not speeding. No, I, I was just asking. So I was hoping a little bit, not for your sake, but it would have been a cool radio moment to have the, the, the get of the year. We got Sam Cook on a police chase. He's being run down by no, no. law enforcement. Sam's helping law enforcement. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Sam. Correct. No, I get, I get you. That would be quite the uh, entertainment for sure. But I, I don't see myself doing that. Ever. Was, was there a rescue call needed for, for, for Justin Tucker uh, with the way that the Chiefs were messing with him pregame warm-up? That seems, yeah. seems to me like a no-no, Sam, with you, the, the kickers and, 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 and uh, specialists. You guys are locked in, dude, doing your craft with the conditions, because you know it's going to come down to special teams. Yeah, you know, that was a a rough situation. Uh, Tucker does that every game. He does that every single practice. Every single day he's out on that field, there is um, his helmet is sitting right there on the goal line, right in the middle of the field. He has the sticks there. And with the games, he does the same thing. He has the same routine. Problem is, is some teams come out early. Some teams don't come out as early. Some teams practice, you know, towards like the middle of their their warm up area, and other teams practice down there. And never ever really been an issue. And that must just be where Mahomes always warms up as well, and and their offense. And it just so happened to collide. But you know, I spoke with Tucker, and he said. Um, Mahomes asked him to move his helmet, so he did. And then <laughs> Travis comes over and kicks it out of the way. So I don't know what else happened after that, but that's just what I saw. And it sounded like it was it was no big deal at first until he kicked it out of the way. Do you think a lot's been made out of a, a small story with this just because the cameras were rolling in that moment? Is this something that, that happens more than you'd think in the NFL with pregame? I don't want to say scuffles, but... Uh, maybe some gamesmanship, or is this actually something that's uh, a big deal and you don't run into very much? No, I mean, like, I think there might have been just a little miscommunication, you know, whether or not Mahomes knew he had asked Tucker Pryor or not. But, Mm. I mean, there's stuff that go on every game. Um, But for the most part, everybody's very, you know, cordial about their warm-up areas and, and doing the proper things, giving them the proper space that they need, but giving us the proper space we need. And, you know, usually everybody's usually pretty pretty good. Sam, what's what's the last couple seasons been like for you as a special teams consultant? Actually, they've been great. You know, I get to work with a great special teams coordinator and Chris Horton, um, kind of showing me how to to join the coaching side, the other mm-hmm. side kind of get more in-depth look on the way, you know, special teams is is played. Um, I've you punted know, and kicked all my life, and other than playing special teams in high school, but just trying to see, rather than just going playing, now you got to teach these guys how to do these techniques and, and fundamentals, and it's, and all the things that go into pre-practice, post-practice, you know, pre-game, post-game, all those things that play into effect. I'm, I'm having like a first-hand, you know, grasp on what's going on. And it's just there's so much more than I ever thought. Uh, just all the preparation that goes. I knew there was a lot of preparation, but then it goes above and beyond what I ever thought. So it's, it's fun getting used to it it's fun um learning it and trying to understanding more of the the game of special teams along with the other aspects of the game 
It's pretty awesome. Sam Cook is with us, uh, Super Bowl champ with the Ravens, Hale Varsity Radio. So I saw that, that Camden had his official visit uh, back on the 23rd of January. So many Nebraska fans are excited for, for your family, for Camden, to have him a part of Nebraska's class. And Sam, I know you're, you're thrilled about it as well. How was that official visit? And, and spend a moment here on just kind of the trajectory in Nebraska. You know, that was, he said, he, him and uh, my wife went out, Nicole, and they had a great time. You know, it's, once again, we always know how Nebraska is, and it's a first, first class university, and everything they do is, you know, respectful and, and everything. And so they had a blast there. They got to sit down with all the coaches and be around them, go to basketball games, see how well, you know, the basketball team's doing this year, and, Everything about it was just, you know, first class. And it's to be expected when, uh, you know, that's our hometown and that's the way people are out there in Nebraska. So they had a lot of, lot of fun. And, you know, kind of going forward, there's, they got a lot of, my gosh, I'm, this couldn't have been the worst time for this. I can't believe all these uh, sirens. No, you're fine, Sam. You're completely good. <laughs> I don't think it's your fault. No, you're, you're, um, yeah. we, we, we know it's, it's definitely not, not fault. my fault, but it's like, it's, I'm going to have to look it up after this to see what went on. None of them. Well, be safe, bro. Uh, That's what we want. <laughs> correct. Um, but, you know, the trajectory of Nebraska, I mean, it's, it's great seeing all these former Huskers kids, you know, kind of date you now, how fast time goes, but seeing all these former Huskers and now their kids going there and playing, and not only that, wanting to go back there and be there rather than being at a big ACC school, you know, Florida, Alabama, or whatever. They want to go back and be a part of that tradition because that's that's where it was, right? The tradition and the history of Nebraska is kind of what brought me there, you know, other than being a hometown kid. And it's just great to see. So it's great to see how Rule and Foley and all these coaches, and I think of C.J. Cavazos and and everything that they're doing there. And it's just it's great to see because they – they cherish the alumni. They, they want to keep them involved. They're doing all the right things to hopefully bring this University of Nebraska football back to where it, it, it's supposed to be. We've talked a decent amount on this show, Sam, over the past couple of weeks about special teams coordinator Ed Foley. He's made the rounds to the state of Nebraska, visited feels like just about every single high school in the state. I know that's not possible in one off season, but he sure, might sure right. feels like he he's might going do it. it. Have, uh, have you got a chance to, to speak with Ed Foley enough? So, well, how'd that conversation go? What do you think of Ed? Yeah, I actually I met him when he was down in Carolina because we actually had joint practices down there and then um, came back for the, the specialist camp that they had last June and got to speak with him then and hang out. You know, great guy, understands the special teams. You know, he works well with the punters and kickers and kind of understands that part of the game. So it's really cool to see. And, you know, we also got to do a little classroom together. So it was, it was great to kind of see his perspective and, and everything that he's learned while being in the NFL and the college level. And it was great to kind of see how things are very similar from his view. So that way, if we ever have questions, 
we have a good way of communicating because we're both on the same page. So I speak to um, Brian Buscini a lot mm-hmm. about his punting, and then, you know, we create dialogue with Ed as well on some of the things that he's doing. So we're both on the same page as far as how to approach specialists, and I think that's really great because he's got a great understanding of it. And, you know, I know he's building these special teams units to the way that it should be and the way that so many great special teams players have come out of Nebraska. Sam Cook with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Husker Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ. Sam, we'll get you out on this and appreciate you giving us a few minutes during Super Bowl week. What was that championship like for you 10 years ago, you guys – Outlast San Fran, and, and you, you get a ring. You get a, a second ring for Ray. I know you were close with Ed Reed and, 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 of course, Ray Lewis when you got to Baltimore. So that was special. I remember you gave us that Monday, the following Monday of your championship, you were on with us, and we Correct. still smile about that, man. You're the best. But think back and just, you know, these guys are on a stage for, for a ring. What What has that moment meant for you? Uh, as a as a football player, you know I think it's one of those things. Um, we had a couple players and a couple former players come by this previous week prior to the ASC championship game, and you know the, some of the things, the words that they put out there is more about like the memories, and it's like the ring is what it is, the trophy is what it is, but when you are part and engraved kind of in stone you know, part of a memory that you get to be with these guys. Those are the things that you're going to remember forever. And, you know, I my ring sits down in a safe, so you hardly ever see it. But every time you go into the facility, you see that Lombardi, you see that um, the banners that we have in there and everything that goes along with that and the memories that you'll have with those group of guys are the things that you're going to remember forever. And, seeing photos around the organization of Ed Reed giving his, you know, two tickets to Paradise speech. You know, all these things that went on in that parade. It's just so cool to kind of look back and reminisce on those times because they went by way too fast. And so that's our next goal is just hopefully – getting back there, being a part of that so we can make those memories again and being etched in stone on that Lombardi for years to come. Man, that was a, that's great uh, and well put. Sam Cook with us here, Husker legend and uh, part of the Ravens. Sam, we're looking forward to, to seeing Camden. We're looking forward to, to talking again, and thanks for giving us some time this week. Absolutely. I appreciate you reaching out, Chris, and I'm always happy to be on here with you. I always Thank you, guys. Sam, you take care, bud. Appreciate it. You do the same. And don't let those police catch you. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they're done now that we're off the phone. <laughs> Sam Cook, and, and we've had some some just marvelous comments in the stream asking if, if Sam is driving a white Bronco from the artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life. Sam did uh, rejuvenate a... I think in 84 Bronco. Remember that conversation we had yeah. with him a year or yeah, two no, ago? Yeah, he did do that, didn't he? Yeah, he was fixing up a Bronco. 
It wasn't. It wasn't Bronco as Blanco. It wasn't that. It wasn't that Bronco. I'm gonna check the Baltimore police scanner. Actually, we, we have we have talked to the guy who owns OJ's former agent that owns the Bronco. He was doing the interview in the Bronco a few years back. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Sam Cook with his uh, Raven standout Husker Hall of Famer Super Bowl week. More Huskers in the Super Bowl tomorrow. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald. At Evan Bland, OWH on Twitter. Evan was at the Rural Presser a little bit earlier today. As far as we know, not in a white Ford Bronco. No, Evan is not being, uh, I don't want to say... hit by police in the sense of that that sound vibration i mean sammy was uh in a, in a tough area uh <laughs> or just baltimore and uh yeah there was lots of sirens so sam navigated well evan with, with this merger before we get into recruiting and signing day you've got this stream partnership here working with the big 10 and the sec and all of our problems will be solved in the world of college football and basketball, allegedly. Are they going to kick things off to, to promote this new uh, channel with a Saban v. Urban Steel cage match? Would you buy it? Yes, I think I would. <clears throat> um, I mean, <laughs> those guys with their will to win and their competitiveness, yeah, I... I would absolutely take that up. You know, with the the Big Ten SEC thing, um, I, I think just don't call it an alliance. We've already gone down that road. We've, we know what that's like and how, uh, you know, trustworthy maybe something like that can be. But, like, what I think is interesting is you can see whatever you want to see. Like, if you want to see this as, like, the beginning of the end, um, you know, you can see that. If you want to see this as, like, the team or the, the leagues with the most power at the table sort of taking control and saving the smoldering uh, remains of the NCAA, you can see that as well. So I don't know that even the administrators and leaders from both of those leagues know what they're looking for. They just know that it can't go on as it is. And like, it, it's, it's a, such a fascinating situation because I, I think you could go a lot of different directions. Yeah. When you talk about don't use the word alliance, Evan, I was just thinking about this, the the Pac-12 ACC Big 12 alliance lasted a shorter amount of time than Germany and the Soviet Union in 1939, which is kind of crazy. That was to think quick. About. Wow. Yeah that, yeah, that alliance lasted two years, which the, the Pac-12 ACC and Big 12 did not reach that long, which is crazy when you think about who was involved in that alliance yeah. back in the Oh, I hate you, Hitler. Oh, I hate <laughs> you, Stalin. I mean... <laughs> and it still lasted longer. Yeah. That's, that's... The difference is those are all still countries, and, uh, you know, the Pac-12 is kind of what it is at this point. You know, who's left to sort of uh, wring their hands over it with them going to other leagues? But, yeah, I, as a history guy, I appreciate the, uh, the parallels there for sure. And just so we make the public service announcement, the Big Ten nor the SEC represents Hitler or Stalin. Uh, let's move. I'll stay away from the joke I was going to make. <laughs> let's move forward and uh, get Evan's take on Coach Rule. And Evan, there's lots of things today with with the signing day. Some some players highlighted the walk on class. But are you surprised? You you are in contact with all these recruits with Keona Will uh, Will Height. Nebraska being able to to nab him late in the process. Do you think he's do you think he's an impact guy in the same realm as we saw last year with Nebraska's 
defensive standouts. That's that's Prince Well, and that's Lenhard, and that's Van Poppel. Can can he have that same type of first year for this uh, pass rush for Nebraska? I think it's possible, and I think Nebraska would not have gone to the lengths that it did if it didn't think that he was someone who could come in and make a difference. I mean, you know, his situation was so unique, too, as a guy who had signed with Washington and, and got out of that when Kalen DeBoer went to Alabama, and then he was looking UCLA, and then Chip Kelly's dalliance with the NFL got him to reconsider. So, like, there were a lot of things that had to happen for him to be available to Nebraska. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're the coaching staff, you can point to what – Cam Linhart, Prince Will did last year. Um, yeah, and this is a guy who himself is six foot five, two hundred forty pounds. History of production as a high school prospect out of Tucson in Arizona. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's someone that you look at. Rule had a good point today when he said that there are just certain guys that he's always going to look at taking. You know, anyone who makes a difference uh, in terms of sort of wrecking havoc on the game defensively, and then any big man uh, as an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. And I think Will Height certainly fits the the former category as someone uh, who has that explosiveness, who has the frame, who by all accounts has the work ethic and personality to fit in. And so you talk about guys uh, at a lot of positions that maybe need a year of nutrition or strength training to build their um, their bodies up. I mean, he, he kind of looks the part a little bit already. And when you when you think about guys, uh, even James Williams for Nebraska last year, who came in and, and has that ability off the edge, like that's what Will Height does well. That's why he was pursued by a lot of power conference teams and you know nebraska is excited to have him so whether that's this year or down the road he has all the skill sets that this staff's looking for to make a difference in the game evan bland with us here from the omaha world herald hail varsity radio and evan quickly before we get back to some husker thoughts here what's your take on chip kelly and all the smoke with him wanting to leave ucla do you think he sees the writing on the wall in terms of well ucla's head off to the big 10 and maybe this isn't a great fit in terms of football what do you make of that chip kelly smoke to well, Iowa and then the Raiders, it's kind of been all over. Yeah, I think that's part of it. It's, it's a different challenge, man. I mean, trying to compete in the Pac-12, I think in the last year it's certainly gotten more difficult with the rise of Washington and what Oregon's been doing. But, I mean, you look at the challenge moving into the Big Ten when you're, you're talking about an 18-team league uh, going coast-to-coast, UCLA, I think more than Washington and Oregon and, and maybe even USC would have to I, – I think that adjustment would be harder for what UCLA wants to do just in terms of physicality and the weather and things of that nature. Uh, you look at re- the recruiting class, I think UCLA ended up 17th in the league, you know, next to last with talent acquisition. And then, you know, I have no inside information on this, but – Oftentimes when we see college coaches move on to the NFL, especially in the last year or so, it's because, well, you know, they're, they're uh, apprehensive about NIL and about recruiting year-round and all this. I, I wonder if maybe that is the case for a guy like Chip Kelly, who has been in the NFL before, who knows kind of what that structure is like. Um, and it's, it's harder to sort of keep up with the moving targets of changing rules and the, just the changing landscape of the sport. At UCLA. So if if he's in that position or if that's his view and, and you have a chance to go back to the NFL as an offensive coordinator and, and have a chance to um, just kind of have more boundaries and structure to what you're doing, 
plus um, just the fact that you know you're maybe one bad season away from UCLA wanting to make a coaching change anyway. It, I think it makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways, and um, you know again whether he ends up going or not kind of remains to be seen. But uh, I think it does speak to just the challenge of college sports and, and what the Big Ten is going to become as well. Uh, Bruins never should have got rid of Jim Mora Jr. He's cranking on nine or ten wins and two or three first-round picks, it felt like, every year. That's just me. Uh, Mm. Evan, let's talk a minute here about uh, Kamir Prescott, a thought on on his addition. I know Wisconsin was going to be his landing spot, but is he kind of that hybrid defensive back linebacker body type? Yeah, he's an interesting one. I mean, I had the connections from Philadelphia with Matt Rule and his staff, so they were able to vet him well just from a, a character and an ability standpoint. And, you know, his high school career has been interesting. Like, he was a running back for most of his career, made the switch to defense in high school. Um, you know, is really versatile as a defensive back. He's played safety and corner. He can do man, off man, all the all the different kind of coverages that you're looking for. Um, and so, yeah, to, to, to get a late ad like that as a walk-on, technically, who had been committed to Wisconsin, I, I think is notable. To, to me, as much as there is upside from the player, and I think there is upside, I'm just I, I, I'm fascinated by who what he represents in terms of how teams now are building their rosters moving forward because you know uh, again he's a he's a walk-on technically but I, you know there's there's an nf uh, an nil factor that goes into that and i think it's just another example of nebraska being creative and how it's putting competition and talent into a room and you know it it, it I think can can kind of work with the numbers a little bit there, and 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 I think it speaks to Nebraska's pitch that Prescott would come halfway across the country without uh, a scholarship. But yeah, I, I think he's someone who you probably put behind the scenes for a year or two in terms of development. Uh, you look at what Nebraska's secondary would would turn over in 2025. I think a couple years down the road, and he's somebody that uh, you know, if he continues on the path he's on, would would be in the mix for that. So I think it's sort of an under the radar addition a little bit again because maybe the walk on status or because of the fact they came on signing day. But um, somebody again that Nebraska feels good about, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he develops in the next couple of years. Evan, your your first two classes, whenever you get to a school, are, are often labeled as your foundational classes, the one that set the table for the rest of a tenure. Whenever you look at Matt Rule's first two recruiting classes combined now, how do you rank the, the foundational classes that he's put together? Uh, I mean, highly. The the last one, you know, was, was kind of what you do in a transition where they were able to retain a few of the commits that were there, and then they had the mad scramble. I think the number, the final number last year was 39 scholarship ads. I think it was 36 now this year when it's all said and done. Although, you know, with this class, they got the majority of their commits in the summer, certainly from the month of June. They leaned heavily on their camp evaluations. Um, but I, when I think of the two classes in general to this point, uh, I think big picture, what I think of is they really addressed the lines of scrimmage. I thought the 2023 class, was, was the, that was the theme on the defensive line, again, with guys like Linhart and Newman Yellen, but we're going to see Sue Lafotu and Riley Van Poppel, I think, uh, emerge as factors as soon as 
this coming season. And I, I think the class that they just signed, um, it was more on the offensive line side of things with Grant Bricks and Preston Tamua and Landon Davidson and <clears throat> Gibson Pyle. I think even a guy like Xander uh, Ruggioli, who's a walk-on, kind of fits the Camille Prescott um, category of a guy who could have been a scholarship player at a lot of schools. So that, to me, <clears throat> with this class was – was what they did, and, and again, you look at Nebraska's offensive line, it's going to be a, an older group in 24, but when that thing turns over to 25, it's going to be a line change uh, in more than one sense, and so I think that's when we're maybe going to appreciate really what this class was in terms of what they added up front. Evan, about uh, 30 seconds, prediction tonight, Nebraska-Northwestern, the line is minus six and a half cats. Well, I mean, I think... <laughs> You probably want to stick with the trends if you're betting. I mean, obviously, it's a big chance for Nebraska to get that road win and sort of change the narrative on just not being able to win outside of PBA and be world beaters in it. For what it's worth, Northwestern kind of fits the same description as Nebraska. They've been really good at home and have struggled on the road. So you have a couple of different trends saying, um, you know, suggesting pretty positively or pretty strongly how this thing's going to go. But if you're Nebraska, it's that last opportunity before a Maybe the schedule eases up a bit um, as they're trying to stack some wins. So I think uh, you're probably not the favorite, certainly, if you're in Nebraska, but it's an opportunity to maybe change that discussion point. Love it, Evan. Thanks for the time today, bud. Thanks, guys. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager and Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. And, Dr. Brandon, how about the sequel to last week's Jock Doc with Joel Embiid? Uh, one of the uh, front writers for the MVP is going to be out, a knee procedure. It sounds like it's going to be a meniscus trip. Yeah, it sounds like that's kind of the route they're going. We kind of speculated about that last week. Um, so, yeah, here we are getting a little uh, sequel on uh, Embiid. Um, so, you know, they've mentioned in there about, you know, maybe back pretty quickly, maybe uh, anywhere from a three- to six-week kind of return for him, which, you know, definitely lends itself to more of kind of a cleanup-type procedure. Uh, but essentially what this is, as we think about the anatomy of the knee, we've talked about, you know, a lot of meniscus pathology here on the show. Um, knee meniscus, essentially it's a, you know, a C-shaped uh, structure that's on both sides of the knee. It's a what we call kind of a, it's a shock absorber, gives you some stability as well. Um, and what happens here is, you know, typically we'll see tearing in that meniscus kind of towards the back, obviously a fairly common injury in our young athletes uh, that we will see. And so the big issue with these is what happens is you tear the meniscus as you get to a point where there starts to become instability of the meniscus, so a piece of that may break free or kind of the whole structure itself may flip over on itself. And that, that obviously creates pain. From there, you can have catching, locking, maybe feel like your knee kind of gives out. Those are some of those kind of classic meniscus signs. Swelling is usually a part of it. Of course, pain and limitations of sports, um, that's kind of classic for it. Um, and so that's the route or the pathway that he's kind of on. And then obviously the big debate always with meniscus injuries is, you know, how do you treat them? Most of the time, these are going to need surgery, especially in young, healthy, active patients, athletes in particular. Um, and then you have to make that decision, you know, once they're in surgery, is it something you can sew back together to try to get it to heal versus is it something you just kind of clean up and trim? Obviously, the goal always is to save as much meniscus as you can, and so we want to try to sew these back together if we can and give that uh, meniscus an opportunity to heal. 
Dr. Brandon, how big is the next few weeks for Embiid when it comes to, to recovery and rehab for a shot to get back towards the end of the regular season? Um, you know, his, he's really going to have to have a, a significant recovery kind of in two areas. You know, one's going to be getting his quad muscle back so you have that kind of strength, stability, that stabilizer of the knee. That's kind of the goal number one. Um, and then goal number two is just trying to manage those symptoms. So one, you know, how quickly does that pain go away? How quickly do those preoperative symptoms resolve? And that other op- other thing is basically trying to keep the swelling down. You know, sometimes, especially if you had previous surgery here, you're a little slower to recover. Quad takes a little longer to come back. And also swelling can be more of a factor depending on the amount of times you've had surgery. So those would be kind of those big factors, at least initially with these. The good news is, is after this type of procedure, you can get really aggressive uh, with uh, treatment with these. And so he'll be, you know, checked in and plugged into therapy right away, being pretty aggressive about getting that strength back. It's Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here a Jock Doc Wednesday talking Joel Embiid, the meniscus injury. Dr. Brandon, the prognosis put at three to six weeks with three being uh, aggressive, six being conservative. And I look at the NBA schedule, we're 10 weeks away from the NBA postseason getting going. It seems likely with or without Embiid that the Sixers are going to make the postseason. Is there any added benefit to shutting him down for the rest of the regular season? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. I would definitely lean, you know, since they, they definitely look like they most likely are going to have a you know, solidified playoff spot. So I would definitely lean a little long for him just to see what kind of distance you can get out of him in the playoffs. And so, you know, the closer you push him, maybe even to six or eight weeks, probably the better. Um, and so that would be reasonable, especially in their, their playoff spots kind of sealed at this point. But, yeah, that's a big, big question mark. Obviously, you want to get him some reps, you know, going through this. But, again, the, the more rest you can get him postoperatively, from game time, I think the better he does and, and the better player is going to be for your playoffs. Dr. Brandon, he has had injuries to, to both of his knees in his career. And what's that do to, well, to your, to your lower extremities? What's he dealing with? What's his uh, basketball age, even though he's only 29 right now? Uh, you know, I'm just wondering here, mileage-wise, knee injuries to both. What's his long-term outlook? How, how long do you think he can play at a high level? Yeah, that's a really good point. When you start thinking about the amount of surgery and the injuries he's had, as we look at kind of that spectrum of, you know, what's the trajectory, trajectory here in terms of how many years does he have left, what kind of level can he play at, the big thing we really start to worry about is more the cartilage part. So, again, going back to anatomy, cartilage is that smooth surface on the ends of the bones. Um, and that's kind of your gliding surface. And so as you start to you know, chip away at that, wear away at that, that just makes life more painful while you're playing, um, sets you up a little bit more in terms of having other injuries, and then also that kind of recovery period just tends to get longer and longer because you're more sore after games, more pain, less recovery. Um, and so that's really kind of the part that plays into that. And no doubt he most likely is going to have some you know, wear and tear on his cartilage. It's hard to see you know, how much does he have, how much is left. You have areas where maybe he has you know, missing cartilage, perhaps, with all the trauma he's had in the games he's played. So that's kind of the issue you worry about there. Number two, you know, the more kind of meniscus you lose, the more that kind of surface contact pressure increases inside the knee. And now those areas of maybe some damaged cartilage are seeing even more abuse because you're having kind of higher pressure in some small areas because you've lost some meniscus. So he no doubt probably has issues with both of those, in particular the meniscus we know of. And so that definitely does kind of diminish that. Hard to put a number on it. Um, it all depends on how well they can kind of manage the discomfort 
figure out maybe kind of a game plan for kind of his rest, how he does practice, and then obviously managing, you know, any of those other kind of tweaks here and there where triple or meniscus or have more of those kind of twisting injuries happen where he just kind of sets you back. Um, I still think, you know, he's got a couple more good years for sure, but it's hard to say. Is he a 10-year guy? That'd be probably a stretch. Dr. Brennan, it's it's interesting to hear him talk about potential season management, maybe minutes restrictions, treating him a little differently in practice. But the thing is that you can't wrap a guy in bubble wrap throughout an entire NBA season. So I want to get your thoughts. What can be done in the offseason training-wise for Joel Embiid with these knees? Is there anything that can be done by his training staff or, or by Joel himself in order to maybe extend his longevity a little bit in the offseason? Yeah, you know, honestly, as you look at that, Elijah, that this is something that we've we've tried to emphasize more, especially in our young athlete population, is that this whole concept of rest. So you look at a lot of these high-level athletes, you know, and what it takes to play at that level, even to get to that level, the amount of work and dedication um, in the hours. But as you look at somebody like him and he's there, he needs a lot of rest. This is a guy that you're going to really just shut down. you got to make sure during those periods of rest they really are resting not that you're just not doing basketball if you're out doing a bunch of heavy weightlifting or sports conditioning, and that's not really rest. And so for him, being able to really find a good kind of rest phase and how you do that is going to be absolutely critical for him. You know, I think our NBA players and professional players of old did such a, a much better job of that. You look at like some of the things that you know, Bird and Jordan talked about kind of during their off-season time. Um, there was definitely a period of rest in there that's so different than what you know, we're doing now. So I think that is important. Um, you know, are there some medications, other types of treatments you could do? You know, not a ton on that kind of end. Obviously, we've talked about the stem cells, the PRP type stuff. Yes, yeah, sure, maybe you can utilize that some for some ailing injuries. That might help some. Um, other things for him is we always talk about biomechanics on here. Is there something maybe he does that biomechanics a little bit off? You know, is the kneecap not tracking quite right? Does he maybe have a little bit of a muscular imbalance? Um, kind of in the quad musculature, hamstrings that maybe you can correct in the off season. Those are some things that you definitely could do that would be really beneficial for him long term. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the uh, insight on Joel Embiid. We'll see if he gets back to end the regular season. Always appreciate a few minutes. Okay, fellas. You guys take care. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, get the podcast, subscribe to us, Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and subscribe to the Hail Varsity uh, YouTube channel, Hail Varsity Radio, Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Elijah Herbal's Twitter at Herbal Essence at Schmidt underscore radio for me. And uh, signing day 2.0 in the books. Big thanks to Evan Bland and Sam Cook talking Super Bowl and some big red with us and Babbers. Mike Babcock got us going in hour one. Connor Clark is in Evanston and he'll be on the call for uh, KRNU tonight. Connor, uh, thoughts on Nebraska and Northwestern. Uh, Matt Rule shared his take on Micah. Mazuka, where's he fit into the offensive line? And it was, well, pretty uh, truth telling from Rule thus far. Micah's a talented player. Uh, Micah's going to have to do all the things I just talked about. Micah's going to have to understand, like, the University of Nebraska, like, we work, we grind, we pay the price. Um, it's not about what we did, it's about what we're trying to do. Um, so I love Micah. I've known him since he was in high school. 
But uh, you know, Mike has got a way to go in terms of understanding the standards that are here. That was pretty, uh, pretty reality radio there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot of the times uh, I was talking with some of the other cuts earlier in the show, reading in between the lines. No reading in between the no, lines necessarily. No, there, got whatsoever. ways to go. Uh, there you have it. So Nebraska, a ways to go with their road record, but overall a, a tremendous season. Nebraska basketball fans are fired up. They are uh, right there in the thick of it. Chance to be fourth or better and uh, work on that double bye. But first things first, yes, a road win. And can you can you get through this last tough stretch, your, your last quad four, quad, check that, quad one, uh, opportunity is in front of you tonight. Minus six and a half. Northwestern is favored. Northwestern's right there with you. You're you're pretty much mirror with them. A few spots higher, depending on what service you subscribe to. Both teams are in the field of 68 right now. Both seem to be at that nine line. Who fades to a 10 or worse? Who fades to a last four in or play in in Dayton? All that uh, time will tell. Nebraska has winnable games, air quote, uh, moving forward at PBA and on the road. What happens tonight, Elijah? Is it Nebraska breaking on through with the uh, Juan addition? Is it Nebraska that plays hard and just falls at the end, a la like they did against Illinois? I think if you're a Nebraska fan you need to see a similar type game slash effort slash locked in performance. Give me back-to-back Illinois-type performances where you play well enough to win, and then I think you can feel better moving forward. Moving forward, you feel better about some of those road opportunities and you handle the home front. I think Nebraska falls. I think they play well. I think it gets free throwy late. Northwestern seventy one, Nebraska sixty. Both these teams have played in, in overtime games in their two most recent games. I think Nebraska's got more to feel good about coming out of those overtime games than Northwestern does. Northwestern lost at Purdue and at Minnesota again, both in overtime. Uh, for that reason, I'm taking Nebraska money line. Actually, I've I've been down on this team. Something's got to change, You've right? Been selective. Three point win for the Huskers, seventy three to seventy. All right, and you will find some rancid shot for me to take on Friday, uh, or I will pick my poison back for you. Talk tomorrow at four. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.